Mediated Conversation on SAFM. Good morning. Time for your Mediated Conversation this Thursday morning. Uh, Wednesday morning, in fact. Excuse me. Yesterday, the Electoral Commission launched its campaign ahead of next year's elections and suggested publicly it may be a good idea for us to vote as close to May next year as possible. As you know, this is expected to be our closest elections in our democratic history, and there are major changes. For the first time, people will be able to contest for elections as independents, although there's still some court cases that could lead to some changes in how that works. However, despite the fact that these elections will be closely contested, one of the major issues will be the number of people who vote, or to put it another way, turnout. And key to that is who votes. In our country, and in fact many other democracies, younger people tend not to vote. And in fact, because of the demography of our country, if younger people voted in bigger numbers, that could possibly completely change the results of our elections. So then why don't young people vote? And more importantly, how can we encourage them to vote? First this morning, why don't young people vote? Tessa Durms is a director at Ravonia Circle. Then what can we do to increase the proportion of young people who vote. Mbali and Tulis, the founder of the Groundwork Collective, it's an initiative trying to mobilize young voters through its hashtag exchange campaign. We'll ask the analyst, Rekotsoferze Chikane, the social analyst and author, if it is the politicians we should blame. And then why should anyone vote? Mpumalelo Mkabela is an author and political analyst. We start then with the director at Ravonia Circle, Tessa Durms. Tessa, good morning and thank you for your time. Good morning, Stephen. Why don't young people in South Africa vote? Young people are disillusioned by democracy. Um, and it's really important um, that the IEC has forefronted the word democracy in their campaign. So calling it, um, it's your democracy, own it. Because the, the disillusionment isn't just with one political party or another. So older people will say, well, you know, you have so many choices, but young people don't believe that democracy is working for them. And the core reason is that if you're 30 years old in this country, you were born into a democracy, but you're probably still living in squalor. You probably still haven't had your first job. You probably still haven't had any of the dividends of this democracy. And so the the lack of development, the lack of dividend for young people's lives have made them disappointed in the entire edifice of democracy and particularly not seeing the value of the vote. Um, Are we different from other countries? Isn't it also true that in many democracies, younger people tend not to vote and maybe look at it another way, the older you are, the more likely you are to vote in many places? Yes, and uh, in many places where you see kind of declines in voting, especially as democracies mature, it's usually because people don't think that voting is going to change much because the basics of their lives are already covered. So if you're living in the US, if you're living in in, uh, Europe's you know, you're thinking, well, you know, it's going to change the chairs on the deck in terms of who the political parties are, political actors are, but it won't really change whether or not I get a substantive change to my life. But here, that's that's very different. It's the opposite, right? Um, is that it actually should be able to have a substantive change to young people's lives and their futures. We are a country in decline at the moment, and that says something shocking for young people's future. Um, Older people won't have to deal with the poor consequences of the voting choices that we make into the future as much as young people will. And so as much as it is a global trend, it is a disillusionment with democracy that we're facing because our democracy ticks all the boxes but is not giving young people a dividend, but will have a consequence on their future being worse off and their children's future being worse off. And that's why it must matter more here. Do you think it's a problem with 
the structure of our politics and maybe our society? Or is it a comment on our politicians that this has happened? I'm trying to get to, is it the people, the individuals, the parties? Or is it the very structure of our society? Is it structural or is it sort of personality that's led us here? It's both and they're linked. Um, it's structural in that our voting system is very different from most voting systems in the world. Um, and that's why the independent candidates coming in is important because we voted for parties only. The consequence of that is we've had political parties that have set themselves up so that their representatives only account to them as the party bosses and never account to constituents and voters. And so we've had an accountability crisis. So I remember in Deep in 2021, somebody asked, what happens if my councillor doesn't do their job, doesn't represent me well? Is there a way for me to actually get them recalled? And the answer was no. And that's part of the problem is that voters feel like they only have power for five minutes every five years, whereas the party bosses have power in between. And then the quality of those individuals that are in those parties and who are those representatives is also declining. Quality, both in terms of just competence to do the job, connectedness to society, and then representation, because young people also don't see themselves represented in the the quality of the politicians we get put before us by the parties. There's been at least one political party that's sort of aggressively gone for the young vote. And I'm talking, I presume, obviously, of the EFF. Has that worked? I mean, if a party says we're for young people, does that work? I mean, the EFF has never outrightly said they're for young people. Young people just appeals to their message. Where the EFF has succeeded um, has been in their campus um, structures. So their, their broad youth vote has not been as strong as their campus vote. And that's again because young people want to be organized. They want to belong to something greater than themselves. And uh, political parties haven't done good jobs of really creating, organizing young people and giving them voice and space. So at the campus level, the EFF um, students command has a lot of organizing power and autonomy um, but when they leave those structures the EFF hasn't necessarily been able to convert that into a growing number of young people but that being said it it's it's important that the messaging also is about young people's lives and sometimes I think that uh, the messaging that we hear from political parties is so focused on the macro and is so focused on big policy issues that we're not talking about the very you know um, tangible ways in which policy and politics affects young people's lives and that's what they want to be talking about uh, we don't want to all just be talking about the gdp or the nationalization of mines we want to be talking about how you create some subs, substantive jobs or substantive um, community opportunities or you build parks and recreation centers and arts facilities that's the kind of conversation young people are interested in and political parties are simply not there Tessa Drums, thank you. Director at Ravonia Circle, really do appreciate the time. You're with SAFM, 20 minutes now to nine. Continue your mediated conversation this morning around young people in next year's elections. Mbali and Tulis, the founder of the Groundwork Collective. Mbali, good morning. Good morning, Stephen, and good morning to the listeners. How can we get more young people to vote? What do you think we need to do? So I think um, part of what Tessa said is correct in that first political party should definitely have a message that appeals to them. But in terms of the actual mechanics, nuts and bolts, we need to go to young people. And part of the work that we do and we found very important is that the average young person and in fact, the average person in our society actually doesn't know how they can put themselves into the formal democratic process outside of just voting. And so there's a lot of work for us to do in terms of the civic education that we should be giving to young people, teaching them, for example, if your ward councillor doesn't do what they're supposed to do, then what, what, what are the remedies that are available to you? 
what is the ward councillor even meant to do? What does an MPL do? Where do you fit into the split starting in um, in this particular democratic dispensation? And so we need to go back to basics and really do an overhaul of the civics that we have to do in this country, because that is the first part of actually getting people to buy in. Once you've taught people and empowered them into how they can actually make a tangible difference in their own lives without having to wait for political parties, then you have people wanting to buy into the system. The mechanic to do that then, of course, is to make sure that they register to vote and then actually exercise that, not just during the election period, but in between, importantly, as well. And I think that that's what we've been missing in our country for a long time. And this is not just a, a comment on young people. Across the board, people just think that it's enough to vote every five years and that that's going to make a, a difference. That doesn't put any political pressure on any of the political players. And so they get away with being able to do a lot of things in between the elections. And until we've done the work of actually making sure everyone has the right civics, registers, and knows what to be able to do, you're not going to get them. But then, of course, importantly, you have to go to where young people are and you have to make it something that's interesting. I mean, an interesting fact is that the average young person in South Africa spends two kilometers in terms of time scrolling through their phone. This is where we should be talking to them, using innovative technology methods to reach them, exciting things, using people that they connect with, whether it's musicians or influencers, and incentivizing them to actually get interested in what's happening. Because the IEC, for example, has had online registration for a long time. It hasn't had the same uptake that we thought it would because it's just not something that is interesting enough for young people to then use their data on. So you have to also cater uh, and make sure that the campaigns that you run are things that are going to get and grab the attention of young people. If we have younger politicians, would that make a difference? And not, not solely. I think we have some young politicians, and I think there's evidence around the continent that we're getting young politicians. But unless those younger politicians are also speaking to the issues that affect young people, then it's really neither here nor there. In the same way that we have the discussion on if we have more women politicians, does that mean that women's issues are going to be put on the table? As long as we have the closed list party system that we do, all public representatives will always be more... Um, susceptible to listening to what their parties say as opposed to their constituents. And so you would think that a young politician would have young people's issues at heart, but that isn't always the case that we see in our country. For example, we haven't seen many of the young politicians come out strongly with youth-focused issues or policies or bills, for example, that we can really point to. So that isn't the case. And I mean, I suppose this is why there's such a push for independent candidates is that there's a hope that you can then get people to start being able to speak to single issues or whatever issues are really important to their constituents. The youth, of course, being a huge one. And with the census data that was released just over a week ago, you see that it's even increased in population size. And so we really need to get the message out there that if enough young people could register to vote and get out, they would put such significant pressure on political parties because political parties know that the youth is elusive and they don't know how they're going to vote, that there would have to be a shift in the way that they speak about youth issues. And that's what we need to understand and that's what we need to push. It's a numbers game, it's a power game, and young people have more numbers than they realize. We just need them to get organized and actually use that. Um, I mean, around the world, you'll hear politicians, you know, trying to talk to young people, sometimes quite embarrassingly. Is part of it just that some that in our case, our politicians are actually much older? It's not just that they're, you know, in their late 50s. (laughs) They're older than that. Yeah. Yes. The median age in our parliament is 66. The median age in our country is about 27. So there's definitely a disconnect in that sense. But 
I mean, you know, someone like Bernie Sanders in America was able to get a lot of young people behind him. It's also an issue of authenticity. It's an issue of a politician that actually seems to mean what they say they're going to do. And we just really struggle, whether it's in the governing party or in our opposition parties, to see any kind of glimmer of hope in that sense. But this is the paradox, of course, is that you won't get any kind of change until enough of us go out and force political parties to change. So, yes, we don't have super inspiring politicians. We can't wait for or another Mandela or another great big savior. We have to go out in numbers and able to be actually to force that kind of person um, to arise or to become that person or to force political parties to change the way that they do. But there's a there's a definite disconnect between the politicians in our country and young people. And you see it even in the way in which they interact with them. And I think actually more political parties are afraid of young people registering to vote because they wouldn't have any idea of how to really speak to them. And that's why you see political parties really focusing their energies on the constituents that they know that they've been able to get out before, the constituents that will give them the differential turnout. And then they really try to suppress the youth vote actually in many ways because they feel young people aren't registered and so they don't want to waste their time on them. Um, and this is why the messaging must be to young people. And that's why the work that we do is about making sure that young people are galvanized and mobilized and then can take this out and into the ballots for next year. And Bali and Tilly, thank you. Founder of the Groundwork Collective, really appreciate the time. 13 minutes to nine, you're there, SFM. Continue your mediated conversation around young people and the vote. Rokotso Fetse Chakane is a lecturer at the Witt School of Governance. Rokotso Fetse, good morning, and thanks for your time. Morning, Stephen. Thanks for having me. At the moment, probably the biggest problem in our society is the fact that so many young people don't have jobs. And you would think that if younger people voted, that's what politicians would talk about all the time, and they don't. What does that tell us? Well, when you think about why people vote, there's generally two a combination of three reasons, right? There needs to be a return on your vote. So you have to have a sense that if I do vote, there must be some sort of return, whether that's through a job, whether that's through better policies, whether that's better through better economic or social um, policies. There has to be a return on your vote. What mediates that return is to, generally speaking, two general considerations, right? The, the cost of actually voting, right? So how much does it cost me to go to a polling station, which isn't particularly a large cost in the South African context that can be debated, though. And the other one is this idea that do you think your vote can actually make a change, right? That this combination of cost and whether you think the vote can actually make a change is really quite fundamental. So you would think that people would say, well, if I do vote, they'll put in policies that help my economic well-being, my social well-being, help my family, allow me to live a life that I deem valuable. But if people don't truly believe that, then the point of voting then essentially decreases in someone's mind. And I think that's the challenge that we, that we have here, that people realize that just voting doesn't give me a job, right? So you can't kind of carry that carrot above my head because there's something kind of wrong in our political system, as the previous speakers have kind of alluded to. Um, it would also mean that I don't even have a chance of getting a job. It's not just that you know, I'll definitely get a job. Is that I don't think anything will change. Yeah, I mean, it's not, I mean, it also depends on how you view where jobs are coming from, right? If someone does view, so the Patriotic Alliance is currently campaigning on the slogan of, you know, we're going to get young people to vote because we're going to show them that they can get a job. It's probably quite misleading to say that unless you're going to say we're going to expand the state in particular so that it employs more people. 
which in reality is probably not the way that the government should go because the government doesn't have enough money to do that type of exercise. We're seeing that currently in the city of Tswane, for instance. Right? So it's a bit misleading to say if you vote for us, we can give you a job. It, a better line would be if you vote for us, we can give you a better chance at finding a job, which isn't really that encouraging if you're sitting unemployed. And these two arguments, I don't think, are really supportive of the idea of we should go out for a vote. And there needs to be something a bit more substantial, at least in my mind. If younger people voted in greater numbers, would it lead to different results? I mean, maybe different parties in power. Yeah, so this is quite fascinating. So a recent study came out at the beginning of the year by Martin Becker and Karen Vanceman. And they really were trying to understand what voting patterns are. And they make the argument that young voters in particular will tend to vote for the same party, even if that party doesn't really help them, right? So once you start voting, South Africans in general will continue to vote for the same party over and over again, which speaks volumes for political parties about how you get someone who has never voted before to vote for you, because generally speaking, they will vote for you for multiple elections. And that becomes quite important in people's considerations. Whether people vote um, and change their votes, we're seeing evidence of that. So if I voted for ANC and I went to the DA, that tendency does, that, that trend tends to happen, but not as much as people continuing to vote. So there's an inherent kind of benefit for political parties to get young people to vote, not just for the current election cycle, but essentially to capture them for multiple election cycles. Uh, we're a very forgiving country, apparently, um, even when it comes to poor political performance. And I think it's something that political parties should be incentivized to find these young voters for the long term rather than one election period. Um, it would also mean that if younger people sort of voted more, politicians would have to talk more to them or like them. I don't know if politicians can. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that median age argument that Mbali was talking about is, is quite huge, right? So if you have politicians who are quite disconnected from the political masses of the country, if you have politicians who are speaking about policies that don't necessarily relate to what people want on the ground, right? So one interesting example that we're, tra- we're starting to see a few cracks in it is this idea that uh, everyone wants a basic income grant, right? That that's, that's kind of the political narrative that we're pushing for. What we're finding now and what we're hearing, generally speaking, is that uh, we might not want a basic income grant, we just want a job. And that disconnect, right, becomes quite important around what types of policies you put into place. And you can you can dovetail that into multiple different other arguments that politicians bring to young people that just don't resonate with them, which is why at the last elections, and even though they were local, the majority of people who abstained were young people. 53% of 18 to 24-year-olds purely abstained. 45% of 25 to 34-year-olds also just abstained. So there's a clear disconnect here about mobilizing young people. Thank you, lecturer at the Witt School of Governance. In a moment, Mpumalelo Nkabela. Mediated conversation on SAFM. Six minutes to nine, continuing your mediated conversation around why young people in South Africa don't vote. And Pumalelo Mkabela is a political analyst. And Pumalelo, good morning. Good morning, Stephen. You know our politicians. Why should any of us vote? <laughs> well, it's very important that uh, young people understand why they should vote. In fact, why the whole country should motivate everyone to go and vote, uh, Stephen, because the consequences of not voting are much more dire than what people think. People think, sort of suppose that, well, there's always a government anyway, so I can just go on with my life. On the day of the voting, I can just uh, spend uh, 
uh, time with my friend having a drink or having a bribe or just loitering at home. But here are the key reasons why we, we should encourage everyone to vote, not just young people. One, a high turnover uh, or, uh, 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 in terms of the voting, uh, Stephen, will enhance social legitimacy of the elections. We often focus on the technicalities, whether the elections are free and fair, whether people were intimidated or not during voting, and we declare the elections uh, free or, or fair or substantially fair, whatever the case may be. And we neglect the other element, which is the social legitimacy, and that can only be determined by the number of people who go and vote on the on the voting day. The second reason, I think, Stephen, this is important, is that it enhances the confidence in the electoral system or in the democratic system. Now, we political scientists call that uh, democratic consolidation. So it consolidates democracy rather than fracture it. And the more the democracy is consolidated, the more it's sustained, and the more unlikely that you can have a, a, a revolution against the democratic system. So it enhances stability in the country. Number three, as for the young people, it introduces new energy if more young people come in to vote. Because there's a whole principle around democratic elections every five years, that the, the government's term is renewed if, that, if it's re-elected or a new government is installed. And if you've got new people or young people coming to vote in, it actually strengthens that message of renewal or um, uh, putting in a, a fresh government into power. It can sometimes feel politicians don't listen to us at all. I mean, if more people voted, well, then people would have to, you know, sort of listen to votes. There'll be more votes to play for is the point that I'm trying to make. Yes, there is. Uh, still, there will be. And and on top of that, um, you are unlikely to have a situation where the government that's uh, put in power is challenged through undemocratic means after the elections. I mean, it's quite bizarre uh, that you have a situation in South Africa where immediately after a municipal election has been held, where people have just elected their ward councillor, the following day, there's an upsurge of civil protest. Clearly, those people didn't vote because if they had voted, they would know that we've just put in our new ward councillor, or we accept the fact that maybe our candidate lost, but we participated to accept the results. We have to wait for this new ward councillor to deliver on his promises. So the whole uh, civil development process that happened in this country, I think people should challenge that energy towards, uh, channel that energy towards voting instead of uh, destructive politics and sometimes even uh, engage in moral hazards such as you know, destroying public infrastructure. All of that energy could be channeled just through the power of the vote. Um, there are many other things to all of this because for political parties, turnout's really going to matter. So you would think that they would compete among younger people to try and get as many of them as they can to vote. And that doesn't really seem to be what happens. <laughs> yeah, but you see, there's another bigger picture, Stevie, because I think the focus on voting on itself is not entirely working because we're now talking about like young people must vote. And every five years they encounter this message, oh, they, we are told that we must vote. But there's a, I think we should focus rather uh, on the bigger picture, the bigger spectrum of political rights that are entrenched in Section 19 of the Constitution. If people don't understand the spectrum of political rights, it's very difficult to isolate the right to vote on its own and say participate in voting. People should know that actually they have a right to form their own political parties and contest uh, uh, for elections. They have a right to participate in the existing political parties and to campaign for the activities of those political parties. They also have a right, um, you know, to stand for election, they have a right to free and uh, uh, to participate in a free and, and, and fair election environment. So 
They can even participate as election observers. Um, they can volunteer their services. There's a whole thing that young people can do political to be active. If they're not political conscious, they're not political active in general, it becomes difficult during election time to isolate that one element of political right and to exercise it. Thank you very much indeed, political analyst uh, and columnist. Really do appreciate the time this morning. My thanks also to Rechutso Fetse Chekane, electorate the Witz School of Governance. And Balian Truly is the founder of the Groundwork Collective and starting us off today, director at Ravonia Circle, Tessa Durms. So very interesting conversation around young people and the vote.